0: Hello and welcome to The Dopcast. I'm Erica Stacey. My guest has been working with the internet for almost 30 years and in this episode, shares how he progressed from being first introduced to the internet as a 10 year old in Toronto to now finding himself as creative and event director for Southstart. Craig Swan has run his own digital agency, invented Loop Labs, a free cloud based music studio, has worked with Macromedia, Adobe and more. These experiences saw him traveling the world and now find him in Adelaide, which he is proud to call home. I personally found it incredibly interesting to hear this outsider's perspective on my home state through the lens of his global experience. In this episode, we discuss the opportunities and challenges for Adelaide and South Australia, the mindset issues that affect many businesses and entrepreneurs, the importance of really taking the time to understand your target audience, the psychology of marketing, and more. Craig also shares some simple and incredibly effective tips for understanding your audience and generating content ideas, along with his top tip to help you be prepared to do your best online. Thanks very much for joining me on the podcast, Craig. Very great to have you here. Pleasure. So, do you want to explain to everyone who you are, what you do? Where you came from?
1: Well, I started with where I came from, and that's my mother. <laughs> that's the easy part. I feel like, especially since I've been here in South Australia, there's a number of different hats that I wear. I suppose that the short version would be, was very fortunate, I think, to grow up with technology at a time where it was becoming into the household. So as a child, I was exposed to being online, you know, age 10 in, in the 80s, like with BBSing on a Commodore 64. and just thinking this is incredible that I could be connecting with people in other remote places at that age when fundamentally you're starting to think about the world I think it put a different lens on the way they looked at things found myself in the music and then I think really I think the defining moment for me was just being exposed to the web in 91 when I was at university and now seeing how it had grown up from what it was 10 years previously to going wow and being a big musical person and, and being fascinated with the impact that music can have both in a small group of people that are working together to create music and then all the people that can experience it in a live event or environment thinking, wow, if these two things converge, how awesome would that be? And that kind of put me on a path for about 10 years waiting for technology to allow that to happen. And then when 2000 came, I created the web's first sort of online music making experience that kind of brought those things together in some way which just being the first of its kind and the sort of, you know, burgeoning internet thing. Uh, just I found a lot of success by just uh, people wanting to point to this interesting way that we could interact with with uh, content and with music. And then, yeah, pretty much found myself in that direction, uh, working with a lot of brands, creating really fun projects around music and interactivity and video. But that just really opened a lot of doors because I, I was... That found me inside of like the Macromedia and Adobe were big companies at the time. Mm. I mean, Adobe still is. They acquired Macromedia. And so I got to be on the beta teams of all these new uh, products and applications, particularly Flash, which was the most interactive kind of application you could sort of use in the early 2000s. So we were getting access to being able to do things before the general public were. And it was just like prototyping the future. It was so cool. And we were building screen sharing apps and like Skype-like applications before there was a Skype, you know, and then they would take away those features saying, all right, (laughs) you know, like, you guys, thanks for demonstrating this amazing thing. We'll just take it out of the release and build another product around it. So I've always been fascinated with with exploring the opportunities of technology at sort of very nascent stages. So by no means am I, I never went to school for computer science or I just very grow up with the culture and kind of treated the internet like a startup where you just keep learning about the new things as it grows and it builds. You're just right there kind of grasping it and putting those pieces together to, to figure out how it works and, and how you can kind of have fun on it. So I feel very just, just, I was at the right time I feel like when the internet was there just to be right, you know, rolling up the sleeves, getting dirty.
0: It's interesting what you said with having that first exposure to the internet around about the age of 10 but then kind of rediscovering it eight ten years later or whatever it was Mm. so does that mean like it it wasn't a consistent feature in your early life or you were just well kind of knew it was there but you weren't really actively I
1: think two things happen I mean you're going through puberty around that time as well (laughs) Um, distractions (laughs) but for me it was you know that's I was into computers before the pc came and for whatever reason I just just didn't like the pc at all I just it just—I didn't like it. Just something about it—it it just didn't resonate with me. But also at the same time, I kind of fell in love with music very deeply and picked up the guitar um, shortly thereafter. So I think for a good stretch of time, I just was really focused on on music and exploring that sort of whole world, which was just kind of blossomed up to me playing guitar and and, and sort of learning how to create music as I also, you know, sucked a lot of it in. And I think that's I think. Allowing that to happen and and be nurtured allowed the two to come back together with this new idea of like, all right, this music stuff that's now part of me and this computer stuff that was a part of me that is now, again, a part of me, how can I put those things back together? Mm -hmm. So I I would say, yeah, music and computers are definitely the, the two streams certainly that have sort of dictated looking back, certainly, you know, my trajectory, I think, largely.
0: And how is it that you came to Australia and South Australia?
1: By plane. I'm not, one, I'm not one of the boat into that people. One. <laughs> um, no, so I think as a result of you know having just a, a lot of success doing the music and technology stuff, I was speaking a lot internationally around the world, and I just happened to be giving a, a talk in Valencia, Spain. Eyes locked with a girl from Glen and yeah, it's you know 15 years later, came back here. Um, ah. So ultimately, that that's that, that's the reason that that I'm here. Well, it's the reason I, I visited here. I mean, I think the reason I'm actually here now is more just just seeing the amazing opportunities. Like I just I just feel very excited by, there's an energy here that's just kind of bubbling away and I think it's about to like take off and all the pieces look like it, they're aligned to, to have that happen. And so I'm just excited to try to play some little role in just pushing, pushing uphill so we can kind of just ride that downhill after, so.
0: And what do you think about the analogy of Adelaide being the next Silicon Valley?
1: that's ridiculous (laughs) who says that
0: oh it's it's been thrown around a lot
1: silicon valley because of silicon because of what was happening with computing that like that's a one-time thing like the making of semiconductors and, and chips that starts an industry and that's where it happens so there's a lot of money grows around that that's not here at all there's certainly no shortage of deep technology and people doing incredible things for sure and there's a t- ton of money, but it's, it's all old money in the hills, right? So mm-hmm. it's a very different type of money. And that money, uh, I think, in the future, we'll find ways to have it trickle down and, and, and have that sort of prosper uh, a community of, of technology. But... I mean, I, for me, you know, the, the correlation I saw when I got here was like, oh, this this feels like Austin. This is like Austin, Texas in the late 90s, which I didn't know at the time was a sister city to Adelaide. So learning that, I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. And it's 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 a musical city. We got a UNESCO creative music city here, which a lot of people don't even understand or, or realize, which is amazing. And it has a bit of that kind of, not keep it weird like Austin, but like it, things are chill here, right? There's a different vibe here. And I would hate to see people try to model things after the East Coast or anywhere else. I'd be like, let's own what is amazing here mm. and just let whatever we can nurture here with that attitude just organically grow. I don't, I don't think you should try to, or we'll ever force anything into anything. But yeah, I don't see the similarities personally. Mm. Um, and I think even beyond that, the more that I, I, you know, because I'm working very closely with the startup and technology kind of sector here. You know, a lot of people will talk about, well, what's happening with America and what are your thoughts on bringing Americans here? And there is a money aspect to be brought here for sure. But I just feel like the untapped thing is like <laughs> we got China, we have the whole APAC region. Like there's, there's, there's a whole world that's about to enter into like first world like situations. That's a huge opportunity. And I think more effort should be put into how we align and take advantage of the challenges and opportunities that are in the region. Than be looking, you know, to what America does. Because I don't think that's the be all end all. For mm. You think you have to be contextual in your analysis of what is needed for Australia.
0: Can you run through some of the work that you're doing with those startups and technology companies at the moment?
1: Well, so when I first, when I first arrived, at, I found myself working with, with Tech NSA before the change in government, uh, sort of an entrepreneur resonance as well as moonshine in that capacity to an extent. And a lot of it really, you know, you'll you resonate with this, that a lot of things identified were technology strong, marketing business sense on an international level not so strong which I'm still trying to figure out because I realize that, you know, this is obviously very far away from the rest of the world, but the internet's been here, even if it's a bit of a sluggish. And for some reason I feel like there's not been an adoption of how to leverage that. I mean, the East coast has done it. I mean, you see there's no shortage of people making lots of money just Mm. on Instagram there. And if you look over here, this, you know, Toby and Kayla are really the only people that have kind of figured that out. So I'm still trying to figure that out. So a lot of it's been spent from a marketing perspective, trying to help people understand how to tap into markets. Um, a lot of the thinking here is, is more small business than, than startup thinking. So you're thinking regionally, locally, maybe break out to interstate versus, well, there's a market that's exactly what we need all over the world. We just gotta use that and target it. I think um, I think that's a big opportunity. So I spent a lot of time talking like that, but really now as sort of being steward of, of, of South Start, it's really trying to figure out how do we create an environment and an ecosystem of people from a human perspective that can help accelerate that and and build the connections that are more global or more interstate so that that people here have access to to capital in other places, have Mm. access to resources in other places, have access to knowledge from other places. I think that's one of the things that will help grow or accelerate change here. So now that's pretty much my main thing. Beyond just always happy to talk to people and and talk through things and always interested to see their perspective and try to put a spin on it. But pretty much now it's about how do we Curate an event that does South Australia justice with a sort of a Australia lens on it.
0: As a couple of things, I love that you mentioned there is first of all those connections and making those connections with people. And yes, you know from a capital perspective, but I think that's so important that from a business and even from an online business perspective, those relationships are still really important. So like you can have a great idea, you can build a website and put it on the internet, but that's not going to guarantee having all of this business flooding in. Like okay. it does, it does rely on. You know The connections, the business and the marketing that you mentioned as well, Absolutely. which often gets lost and people can spend you know, months and years developing a product and then just expect it to fly off the shelf.
1: There's even been instances where you know, I'll be talking to people and they'll be explaining what they're doing. It'll be a digital sort of play to some extent and I'll just pick up the phone and type in what they're doing on Google and I'll say, what do you think of this company? Well, who's that? And I'm like, well, they seem to be someone in Australia that, oh, look, they've just actually raised money and they're doing what you're doing. And that part I don't understand because it's happened enough times that it, it, that's the first thing I, if i ever had an idea the very first thing i'd be like right so who's doing this and how do we do it better and are they successfully not Have this been tried multiple times and, and no one can make it work and maybe it's a bad use of my time like those are things that you would do at the front end and i've found uh, more more than one occasion certainly that, that that people haven't been aware of what's going on so again that's 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 leveraging and using the internet like that's mm-hmm. like that tool is there and so i don't know whether it's just this idea of like oh it'll just be great i'll make it work I, I, I don't know. There's, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the differences in mindsets. I think that's what's really different in Australia and South Australia is the way that people from a culture that's on an island far away from mm. the rest of the world think differently, and that's natural. I'm trying to do my best to understand that with a, with an eye to how can we potentially, you know, just steer that and bend it towards something that might be more useful, leveraging the amazing like mindset is here, I mean, the, the trust factor, the loyalty, the hard work ethic, there's the, the the innovation, like it's all here, but there's a couple of things that are sort of bottlenecking it. I think to see it get wider adoption or bigger growth. So for me, it's kind of fun trying to figure out what those things might be work in progress but
0: yeah uh, it's it's fascinating insights with us (laughs) because i think there's a lot of people who are going to be able to benefit while some of the things you've said i haven't actually pinpointed specifically before they're all making a lot of sense and it's interesting being a south australian native kind of growing up with this so i can certainly see there's there's a bit of pride that you know, we sometimes take in, you know, being a small state, being a hardworking state, being that little bit isolated as well, even though a lot of people do love, you know, to leave, but then then come back. You know, for people who, who do think South Australia is a little bit boring and dull, but it's almost like we, we take pride in this small mentality yeah. sometimes. No, <laughs> no, I no. Of people no, 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 no. No, no, no. know, it's
1: funny because it's, I mean, all those, and it, it, this comes up in a lot of conversations because there, there's obviously that, that the tutelage that you hear a lot is like the, the people that have never left and the people who have never been are the ones that will kind of piss on, on Adelaide, right? And that makes sense because people who have come here are like, wow, you really got things good. And people sometimes don't know that. I mean, even through the event last year, you know, we spent great efforts to try to put on an amazing experience that was just very socially activated and bring people to interstate who may not have been here, you know, for some time. And and things have changed here with the sort of the small licenses and the laneways and what's sort of Mm -hmm. going on. And to have, I think, some of these people that were, you know, just successful people from Sydney. Uh, interacting with, with people at this peel sheet party and just talk about how amazing it was, you could tell people, like, their backs are like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, like, oh, like, you know, in some sense, that validation kind of was, like, not needed, no one they weren't looking for, it, but it was like, oh, didn't know that because maybe, you know, I don't see it that way. And that's one of the really interesting things for me is that the fact that, that there is this uh, lack of awareness of of how special it is. And even even when I first got here, everyone was like, oh, so what do you think of our little you know, country town? Like that was kinda like, you know, cause because I'd come out of New York, so people were automatically positioning it as being different because they didn't, you know, see it the same. And I kept saying, you know, but you are the city of Adelaide. And if you did put Adelaide inside of the United States of America, it'd be like the tenth biggest city behind Dallas. And that's when people's heads go, like, what? Like, we don't act like that. And it's like that's that's the charm of here. That's why I, I would, I would hope that 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 people don't get caught up in with with as things are gaining momentum and things are really accelerating and there's a big opportunity here. I really hope people don't feel like there's a need to have to be like the East Coast or to turn into or adopt some of those things because the things that make life amazing here should be. Should be revered, and we should hold on to those things as being part of the culture that's special, and just find ways to weave other stuff. And like I keep thinking, this whole brain drain thing of people, oh, they're going to Sydney, they're going to the East Coast. Is like, I don't know why there's not a marketing campaign saying, hey, if you're a couple of kids with an idea in Sydney, come over here for thirty thousand dollars a year. You can get a house and just be chilled out and just build with no stress your product, like that would be the best way to pitch it because they would do that. And all of a sudden they'd spend a year here and be like, right, I'm having success. I'm not leaving, but it's like an awareness piece. I think it's a, yeah, I don't know. It's fat. It's to me, it's, it's just this fascinating, never ending, unfolding enigma of a, yeah, whatever it's, it's, it's cool.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully there can be something to, um, to draw people back. Actually, sadly believe brand we were in the process of doing something along, along those lines. not like,
1: yeah, well, I mean, I think what's a big, big part. I mean, that, and that even I was a bit confused a little bit with the. So they're doing this Hello Essay th- campaign, which is more about getting the word out externally. Because I, I guess I never really fully understood. Like a lot of people love the the I Choose Essay campaign, and I kept looking at it. But but you're from Essay, so you're you're kind of like selling to yourselves. And so it was great that people were there's a, a element of a pride behind it. Mm. But it was—I don't—I don't know what it was doing outside of the borders I to have people feel that way because, cause someone from New South, they're not going to say I choose SA, so okay. it, was, it was aimed at a local market. So it was effective locally, but I, yeah, I don't know. Um, but then there's people who like—we don't want people coming here. We don't want to go to two million people in the traffic, and you know, <laughs> and they start talking like that, and I get that because sometimes the traffic can suck. But yeah. It is what it is. I, I think
0: No, I think I think we are in a I feel like Adelaide's in that bit of an awkward teenager hmm. state maybe or still still trying to figure itself out and is looking for other things, you know, sometimes it's easy to look to other right. areas and places to model yourself on mm-hmm. rather than embrace your own Oh sure, yeah. Unique personality. Who's, the, who's the poster
1: on the wall of, yeah. you know, who I want to become. Yeah. Um and I think I don't know whether it's that the the political cycles are really short here, and it's hard for people to to commit to. Like this is really so close to being the like, the most livable city like in in the world, right? And it's it's recognized as such by a number of different organizations. I just feel like why not just totally just say we're just going to go full in and just grasp onto that and just back that up with everything that we do and become that and set a standard for what uh, a city should be because. It's like you don't have cities that are in the middle of a park and you don't have ones that are also future proof with you know a a technology that allows sort of the IoT kind of infrastructure that can build smart cities there's just so much stuff here that could attract so many people from around the world by setting up some standards. I mean, even just the carbon neutral thing, that's a big thing that attracts a lot of young people from around the world with that kind of thinking. I think if some of those things were adopted and really someone said, all right, I'll put my neck on the line and put the flag in the ground and for the next 20 years, and it should be bipartisan. This is what we're gonna do. Mm. Then I think there'd be a real opportunity to set up as such and then, of course, there'll be tourism and there'll be more people and traffic might get bad. But it'd be a different type of growth that there'd be a sense of ownership and identity to it that I think is that the identity part that you talk about. When you yeah. talk about teenagers, like, what am I? am I? Am I goth? Am I this? You know, like, you know, <laughs> which way am I going to go? So I think this is I think that's part of the allure when I came here. Was it just felt like there was this really interesting opportunity where there was going to be this growth out of it. And it could go the other way, I mean, geez, you know, I, I often, it's not lost, I mean, the irony of like this push about, you know, being about these these future technologies and artificial intelligence and all these things, but, you know you're looking at the federal and state government being the biggest employers in South Australia and there's a lot of people that are kind of just pushing paper around this AI stuff you talk about is going to displace all those jobs have you thought about what's going to happen when that happens because you know with an aged population you you also run the risk if you don't maneuver yourself Wow, this place could be a bit of a ghost town as well like where everyone does leave because things didn't work out and people fall off and then it's like there's no one here to pick up the ball and, and, and do anything with it so can kind of go both ways but i think that's what's interesting about this unique moment in time and it's been an amazing year or two since i've been here i mean it's the amount of stuff that's happened has been kind of off the charts for sa eh? so i feel very lucky to be like oh okay good time to like show up because if i did it 10 years ago i would have missed all this stuff so
0: yeah no it's very very interesting time do you see what you're doing with south start as having a place in helping to guide the direction of um, our?
1: To me, it's I'm trying to position it much more as a national event because I, I look around the country and, and there really aren't events that are fulfilling kind of a startup and technology space. I mean, you had a Myriad, which is no longer. You have StartCon, which I think is a very different beast and I'm not so sure it resonates with what happens here. Um, but the same way when I came here, I found that there was a lot of sort of this whole silo thinking and a bit fragmentation of the community and duplication of efforts, people trying to do the same thing. Still trying to figure that that part out. But I look across the country and I see a lot of that same thing. Like, oh, well, my innovation precinct is bigger than yours. And it's like, that's not good for Australia because if you look at the Australian Innovation Index, you know, it tends to is sliding compared to the rest of the world. And I think part of it might be the result of these independent states kind of trying to build themselves up but not thinking holistically so i'm actually more interested in, in how do we create a stronger australian identity and have more knowledge share in, in, in building better networks where we can do them easier inside of the country or what i'd like to refer to now as the continent which it is and kind of try to give australia more of a voice globally if we can bring the heavies from australia into an event that's hosted in south australia we create an, an amazing opportunity for, for people that are not from the region to say, if I'm going to come into Australia, this event happens to provide tremendous value because I can meet people from all the states at mm. one time. And if we do that, it's a lot easier to bring those people here. And now more people create these pathways and these networks that are global. And, and I think that'll help accelerate things, you know, on a faster rate. So... To me, it's always what well, you put the right people in the room and you just let them figure it out. Like the work is the curation, bring the right people there. So in, in no way would I, even if I had an idea of what South Australia would be, I would never never be my position to ever say, I'm going to try to create or force it into a mold. First of all, I'm not from here, but I just don't believe in that. I think you need to bring people that care and are passionate together and they'll figure it out. And they'll naturally organically grow it into what it, it should be. But it's fun to, it, it's I keep using the reference of like, how do you scale up to this, the separate party concept, you know? A good separate party brings in different voices, contrarian voices, different industries, different stuff. But like that's the kind where everyone's like, oh man, that was an amazing night. It's, how do you do that with like a thousand or more people? To me, that's the interesting part. And if you can do that with people across the country and the region, I think it could turn into something pretty special.
0: Yeah, that is. I'm yeah getting quite absorbed in like, imagining this future that we have.
1: <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> You're a part of it.
0: <laughs> so I do want to jump back into the business and marketing side because you made a very good point earlier that we do have a lot of great technology and great mm-hmm. technology smarts here, but it's not the business and marketing is not always on the same level or Even anywhere close to it, are there any specific areas that you see most often those startups and businesses failing with from a marketing perspective?
1: Um, I think a lot of it's just a a lack of awareness of what maybe what works and what doesn't. And again, that kind of uh, I'm not sure why because you can go online and 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 kind of figure it all out. I think generally two things. I think there's a bit of a defensive stance with regards to how social media, for instance, or digital marketing is done. Uh, versus a, as an offensive thing, so people do the bare minimum. I got it. I'll respond to negativity, but not so much. But I think this comes back to the mindset where this is not a nation of like, "Hey, I'm amazing. Look at my amazing thing." Yes, <laughs> because people are like, "Look at that idiot." You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there's that fear of being seen as that. Although if you look at people across the country who have done it, it's like the people that are doing that more are the ones like, oh, look, they're making a business that's global and making millions. So I think part of it is people to to just be comfortable with putting themselves out there. I don't think people have an intimate relationship with the Internet here so much. I, I don't know. I mean building any kind of relationship requires building authentic kind of relationships. And so you have to put yourself out there a little bit. You can't just hire some person to do your stuff and, and not be responsible for the post or the messaging or the whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people think by doing that, they've checked the box. I've got social media, so there's cowboys yeah. running around taking 2000 bucks a month from lots of people, but it has nothing, doesn't resonate with who they are at all. Mm-hmm. I think people sometimes don't think about who they're actually targeting and doing that kind of that user journey mapping process where they really understand, you know, who these people are. Because when you do that, you can find out well where are these people actually online and what are they actually doing? And I can understand better how to find the messaging that would resonate. What groups are they are they a part of? How how do I target them? Because if you spend that time to do that then the resources I mean you can target people I mean that's just what social media is allowed but you have to do your research to properly yeah. do that and I don't know whether people just don't want to spend the time or it just becomes too much work or I don't know I think a lot of people when I ask them when I, who is your customer a lot of people they're not sure and you have to really spend some time and then they go oh it actually is this person, and mm-hmm. I should be targeting the person in this role at this company, not the people I've been targeting. But I mean, every case is different. The people have different levels of of te- technical understanding. But if you have deep tech, you're you're largely going to be missing that that part of the mind that can that can reach out on a creative level. I mean, I, I kind of say there's no shortage of Wozniaks in South Australia. There's just not a lot of jobs, and <laughs> not the ones that the you know, that the government talks about or you have people that are in businesses that are not technological, so they don't have the technical skills. So I find that there's big groups of both, right? Super technical, deep tech, not sure how to socially, you know, uh, market that. And then people that have products that aren't overly digital, they don't have understanding technology to know how to leverage it.
0: Yeah. Right. Yep. So you have the
1: small businesses, and then you have deep tech, and so both those are kind of missing some of the things that you need. So I think that's one of the things that I see as 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 the opportunity for people to get those sort of skills in place. There's not it's not there's not a lot of I don't I don't meet a lot of MBA type people here. I don't no. I don't meet a lot of people, and I, I certainly don't see them you know inter intermixing with. The nerds, if you will, right? Because that's, mm. that's where companies are born. That's where things, you, you need to, you got to get that CMO, that guy's like, oh, <laughs> I can market that thing. I can take that thing to the moon. Um, but There's not a lot of people I see that are running around thinking like that. And I don't know, I don't know, again, why that is or where they are. It's one of those things I keep trying to figure out, but you need that. I mean, it's, it's hard for one person to do everything on their own.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know,
1: Often you need, you're going to need to find a partner or someone that does that.
0: Do you think that comes down to a funding thing then as well? Because I know, I mean, like you say, there's, and God, I uh, do a lot of social media management and a lot of social media managers, and it's, it's really easy to get your retainer for however much per month and do your posts and, and take care of all of that for another business, and mm-hmm. it kind of, like you say, ticks that box for them and some of them are right. you know more involved than others but to really and this is where I'm moving more now like to really do it properly it needs to be embraced internally it needs to be communicated and understood as a pivotal business function for that sure. is throughout the entire organization and, not, and not, not just a little you know for sure someone over in the corner who updates our Facebook a couple times a week
1: and I mean in all fairness I mean there's many business where like let's get real no one cares about what you're doing on social media like no one cares at all But for most people, there is some way. and I think it's been interesting for the people that that I have kind of walked through some of the processes and and how they might do it. And a lot of that is like, I'll start off by saying, all right, let's try to identify, let's just use, if we use Instagram as a a, a platform that that might resonate with a business, I'll be like, find out what are the most likely probably 10 hashtags that, that are most used inside of your industry or by the people that you're doing stuff with find the 10 uh, most relevant uh, competitors or people that would be targeting the exact same customer assuming you've already done the work to know that you're reaching a 30 to 40 year old single mother whatever it is where are they going to be on Instagram get your cup of coffee and in the morning just simply go through and look at those hashtags look at the top 10 posts top 10 recent and for all those things you just go through those things and just absorb and just see what are people saying? What are people actually talking about? Add authentic value. Actually, if you can say something, engage with them with no, no like, trying to get anything out of it. That exercise over 30 days, A, everyone sees you popping up on their phone all the time so you become on their radar. Like, you, it's so easy to enter someone's life right now. That, that's the crazy mm-hmm. part. If you, cho- if you choose a person and you just say, I'm gonna constantly add like, real like, comments that, that aren't automated, that aren't just blah, 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 whatever. That person will just ding in the middle of a conversation with their best friend. You're like interrupting their best friend because people are just trained to look at, oh, what happened? What happened? They're looking at their Mm -hmm. phone. And so to me, it's crazy that we live in a world where you can be a complete stranger and you can interrupt an intimate couple at dinner potentially with a comment from an Instagram post. But that's the world we live in. And if you understand that, and think about how you can actually just chime in when you can actually create real value and do something that resonates. Over time, that person cannot help but go, oh yeah, right, they're there again. And that's how the relationships start. I think even from the perspective of, the marketing perspective, people shouldn't be targeting always with the the, the end person. They should be thinking what are the businesses and the JVs and the partnerships where they've got a community of 50,000 people that I want. Let me target and get to the people that are running that thing and this thing and then find ways to partner and do things because that's a much faster way to get exposure is to figure out the people that have the same audience and how do I tap into the people that have that audience, create a relationship with that person and then figure out ways how we can join, promote, joint, uh, do something, affiliate, whatever the, you know the business style is. But that's authenticity, right? That's like, just mm. taking time, and so it's it's just really all right for thirty minutes of my coffee. I'm just going to go, yeah. and I'm just going to start building relationships online. I think that just for me, it's natural. Because I, I was ten years old with the alias Rum Runner uh, in my you know in my bedroom talking to like truckers and whoever the hell. Like my mom had no idea what I was doing. You <laughs> know, I think in hindsight, she's like Jesus Christ. Like when you were going to meet people, like what the hell was going on? Right? It's kind of freaky. So I kind of grew up with this understanding at a very early age. I think it's for a lot of people that. Didn't have that. It's a bit foreign, especially in a place like South Australia, which is very human and very personable. And that whole two degrees thing is—it's human-based. I think there's less of a external networks via digital channels, sort of naturally. And I think you just got to embrace that because that's—that's how you do business. Yeah.
0: And I'm not sure. I think there could be a potential you know, time and funding issue with it as well. But I also see a lot of people and businesses who, for whatever reason, just. don't want to do that work and like you say that work on what are our actual goals who are we talking to like you were saying you know and what are the things that I can do that are going to build this for the long term not just some kind of quick hack I can do once today that's going to grow my business a thousand times type thing where I think there's a there's a bit of that Bright, shiny—that people still like assume the internet's this magic thing, that it's just going to hmm. do it all for you, and yeah. it doesn't actually
1: doesn't work like that. Don't
0: appreciate that it, it requires that thought and that work and that understanding to try and stand out and connect with the right people. I think, I think,
1: I mean, there's a lot of people I think who have found success here despite themselves. <laughs> you know, like sometimes they're like, "Wow, if you had done this stuff, like who knows?" And I think there's an element of people sometimes want to get too big I think that. Why work harder than I have to when things are great? And I totally get that. I mean, things are great here. Why would you push yourself? I mean, you're living a comfortable life. But to me, the fun part is when you go through the exercise and you actually think, you know, who, who are these people? And you start thinking like, all right, like, what magazines do they read? What radio station do they listen to? And if it's a fun exercise that a lot of people don't spend time doing it. But when you go through it and you start thinking, wow, I actually think I know who the person is, you start down the street like, that's probably one of them. Like, in, 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 You need that mindset and, and, and you have to be excited by that process of discovery. But if you go through that, then all of a sudden you start thinking of all the ways, well, all right, I'm gonna consume these magazines now. This is, this is what they're all talking about. On trend, on point, and this magazine is this stuff. Well, how do I tie my messaging into mm kale <laughs> whatever it is i mean i mean I'm, you know i'm joking but i'm not i mean it's like you got to figure out how to tap into that because there's, there's these organizations have gigantic marketing teams and tremendous amounts of data and research and they are not manipulating but like forming opinion on stuff hmm. and your consumer is reading that leverage that it's right there you, you can yeah. see what, what they're doing just just you know do that i mean it's like um there's a thing called um what's it called? Best of nine. There's a, there's a, there's a site where you can kind of, oh, s- yes,
0: yeah. and you, can, best, yeah, you can, you can, you can, you
1: can kind of get the um, skim, the top posts, like even that exercise of just saying, right, what are the top things actually doing that are working? Yeah. Oh, great. So now I've got, if I do that for 10, I've got 90 pieces of content that are the top piece of content targeting my audience. All right. Like that plus what's happening to these other channels. You can start but it's a creative I always look at it as a creative thing like all right how do I find that new way of you know that to me is interesting like how do I find a way to communicate this message with to this audience from this new piece of information I've learned but that's content creation and that doesn't work for everyone either so it's um you have to you have to enjoy it but it can be fun if you can just find that part of just it's discovery like yeah. when you, it's like it, it, this is, you're you're basically mining for gold I mean because the people that pay you are people and you have to convince them ultimately I think that just There's so much data there to do it, but it is work. And I think a lot of times, yeah, people don't want to do that, but you just got to turn it into just being an exercise that's fun. And, you know, don't know. (laughs) So This is what I think.
0: Uh, It's a good, uh, that example you gave with using that that best nine, I think a lot of people forget that you can do that with any Instagram account. Oh, yeah. People love doing it with their own to see what their most popular nine posts were. But you can pump any handle into that and, and see what their most engaged pieces Absolutely. were. So it's a, like you said, it's a really simple exercise. And if that's what, because that's the thing I often find when I'm working with people is like try and find the thing that's going to get them excited. Like some people are excited by numbers and data. So, okay, you know, we can actually measure all this stuff we're doing, but we need to do this stuff and then we can get the numbers and figure out if it's working or some people get excited by the creative side of the content creation. So I think sometimes if you can find that that little hook that's going to mm-hmm. get people Engaged. It can get them part of the way there, but it's still marketing is still often seen as this kind of like easy thing that just happens naturally alongside yeah. where it's it's not. And what, you know, we have this, you know, all these amazing technology and internet that allows us to reach so many people, which is fantastic in some ways, but it's also also made it a lot harder and given us a lot more options yeah. as well. So it feels like it's a bit of a difficult time that we're still grappling with, even though it's not new.
1: No. I mean, ultimately it's about telling stories, So you got to figure out, I think, what are the stories that you want to tell and how they tie into your product. So I remember working with, you know, a a woman that was, um, she just kind of took over plot of land, had crops on the land and was just sort of had nothing to do with her previous career, but was just now going to get into farming and developing product. And the more that I thought about how crazy it was that she just left one world that was more finance based into something that was just completely opposite with no knowledge of how it was running and doing it, the more that you dig into that, the story is not about, you know, how great the product is or whatever. It's about like, here's this incredible person that's decided with no knowledge to now create an award-winning product. There's a lot of people that would be the target of that product that'd be really into that story and supportive Mm -hmm. of someone like that. And It's a lot easier to to go talk about that because you can, it's personal so sometimes the story you tell isn't always about the product it's about about everything that goes in behind it I think more and more you're seeing it's been said for a long time but like the loyalty of a brand has to do with what it represents and more and more as we get exposure to more information on stuff it's ultimately where is that source that it's coming from and what does it stand for especially with young people but if you can find that voice and that story that's unique to you, then it's, again, it's not work so much, right? It's like, oh, I'm just sharing. Yes. You know, and, and it's the same sort of Gary V thing, which I, I do agree with, uh, despite maybe some of those things I don't think of, which is that, you know, create versus document. People kind of get hung up sometimes and like, oh, I've got to get like all this thing perfect and make this post and this and that. But that's a lot of work when you could just document what you're doing and mm-hmm. you can do it easy like that. Yeah. Some people aren't comfortable talking for two minutes on video. But if people get over that, it's like, all I got to do is just waiting for the train or waiting, for whatever, just do a post. And you can actually add value to people with no effort. But that becomes, you now not becoming part of the brand. And some people don't want to do that either. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, there's no one, there's no silver bullet for any of this stuff, but it all comes from just identifying what role you want to have and how to be you know, uniquely passionate and authentic with it, I think.
0: Absolutely. And just picking up on something you said earlier in regards to people not feeling comfortable with putting themselves out there and that, you know, definite tall poppy syndrome that we have in, I mean, I assume it's in the rest of Australia, but I know it's very, very alive and well Mm -hmm. in South Australia still. And, and I work with a lot of people who are, you know, they want to improve their online presence and profile but are terrified of actually saying anything because of how it's going to be perceived and that people are going to think that they're full of themselves and all this kind of kind of stuff. So there's that real disconnect between like you say, what you're actually doing is just documenting and sharing what you're doing, right. which the people around you know that you're doing, you're just sharing it with a slightly large audience. And yeah, you can do that like a complete wanker or you can do it yeah. from a real genuine place. As I, well. I
1: think people have a hard time, ever having a problem with someone being real I mean Mm. they might like the person or believe in it but you can't fault a person for doing it but I think I think equally though with with what is you know considered the tall poppy thing and and not wanting to you know shout from the rooftops how great things are people are also deathly afraid of talking about failure and being perceived that way so it's like this double-edged sword and I think the fear of success is, is equal to the failure. And I think, if anything, the adopting and embracing the failures is more important.
0: Yeah. Because
1: then people can be like, I have no idea this is going to work, but guess what? We're going to try this campaign and we're going to do this thing and that. And I think that people, you know, people will be like, at least we will get, get a response versus this sort of sidelines, like I hope you fail um, kind of mentality. Um, but again, it's, it's funny because all the things we're talking about kind of come down to that, that mindset, which is a little bit more unique. Because I mean, coming out of New York, or in the states, I mean, it's just so the exact opposite than here. I mean, people are raising money on nothing but an idea. They're pretending to be something that they're not yet. And here, people are developing crazy technology, and no one even knows about it because they're doing it. it, it you know, it, it's it's like you know, people are raising money once they've already you know almost cured cancer, versus people are there are just saying you know I got this idea. Probably reality falls somewhere in the middle. But it's definitely been interesting to see the contrast
0: that really is amazing when you when you put it like that as well because i can kind of think of examples on both sides yeah. of the fence ocean i wish i knew what the answer was if we could bottle that mindset thing but it's unique. amazing
1: it's a bit i think it's yeah i mean i think it's unique to each person but i think it's just being open to vulnerability mm-hmm. right i mean i think ultimately that's just what it's about i think just by being online for so long myself you kind of realize like we're just all naked digitally like you just that just there is no kind of hiding as soon as you you try to hide or be something that you're not. You just you just live in this lie. You can just never keep up with. It's just so much easier just, <laughs> to just say this is what's what, <laughs> and 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 just accept it. And if people don't like it, that's all right. Like there's billions of people out there. You don't have to impress everyone with uh, individually or with the business. That's not the point. The point is I'm going to find the ten thousand people on this entire planet that think what I'm doing is fucking amazing, and technology allows us to do that. And focus on that ten thousand. Uh, group of people and you can build a business from there
0: the failure point that you mentioned as well tina may who i spoke with in very early episode she was talking about that like her frustration with that hero's journey that we often hear about failures after somebody has achieved great success right. they like to talk back about the overnight you know, success i had you know one dollar left in my bank account and all this kind of stuff and look where i am now but they're not actually you know, we're not comfortable generally talking about that kind of stuff at the time, right. and that's something that she's kind of like pushing for and, and hoping more as well, because there is, you know, we have this constant little like wins and losses, wins and losses, but I mean, I'll admit as well, it's hard. Like, people don't like cheering
1: for winners. Generally, people like to cheer for the underdog. <laughs> I mean, generally, naturally, yeah. you want to be like, ah, oh, come on, go, 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 you know I mean? That's why it's a theme in every movie, right? That is a part of the hero's journey, though, is the fact that you you, you meet tremendous obstacles, and you think you're done, and then somehow you you get out of it. So, I think I think secretly people cheer for for that. And I think mm. it, if you were more transparent talking about the fact, just about to be like, I can't make, you know, the burn rate's done. We're finished. There's no more money. Exposing that can sometimes be useful. Where people are like, oh, so you need some help right now, because mm. people are also happy to help, but people don't like to ask for help as much as they should. People always are helpful. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know anyone that's just like, yeah, I'm not going to help you. No one I know as a friend would ever do that. You know, they, they may not be able to help, but they'd probably try to find a way to do it. But I think that asking for help implies a sense of weakness and maybe failure. And that's, that, that's unique you know, yeah. globally. That's certainly not something here. Yeah. It's, strong, it's strong and prevalent here. But I mean, these are all interesting things we're talking about. Because I mean, ultimately selling and marketing, it's a psychology thing, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you're dealing with, with, with psychology of people. Um, But I think as technology has sort of made everything so just there, the more authentic and more transparent that you exist in that world, I think the more you see success happen. That's what I tend to look and see when you see success is that, yeah, some people fake it and they might make it for a while, but the ones that are just truly authentic they grow that community where like they just get behind this message and they want to see this person win now and they're there to back it because that's their team and if you look at footy here like you know I mean no matter what happens <laughs> you know I mean there there's behind that like and it's like I still not made a decision <laughs> on any team <laughs> um but that that loyalty is is what a brand about it. and i think it's that grit and that determination of getting behind you know what you believe in that's how you find your audience and it's it's a small one I think people think too much about the internet being huge versus like you don't need a lot of people a thousand people that will give you a little bit of money every month or whatever that's enough to do a lot of things with and to grow from so I think if you just start from that perspective it becomes more manageable to enter that world and try to find your your tribe if you like that word
0: thank you so much this has been really good I yeah feel like we could just chat, chat all day I'm gonna ask you a couple more questions for okay yeah Inspiration and motivation. Who or what inspires and motivates you?
1: Ah, uh, right now my kids, <laughs> for sure. I mean, I mean, children provide this unique new perspective. Where it's like, hey, here's a new set of eyes on life that you, you didn't have. That 100. percent. I mean, just to yeah, for sure, uh, without a doubt, I would say that. And, and yeah, no, that's the answer for sure. Mm-hmm. Kids, my kids in particular, no source of um, no shortage of inspiration and having to think up <laughs> answers to questions <laughs> i'm starting to get now I'm like oh right all right let's figure that question out like because i don't want to be the guy that pretends to know either and you know it's you, yeah so i think that's that's been the most exciting and to be quite honest it, it'll sound maybe cheesy but this place has been this environment that i've found myself in has been incredibly inspirational not just from just being able to, the beauty of it, experiencing it but just it's been almost like this new lens like it's like anytime you enter a new anything there's something there's an exciting element and I'm still feeling my way through it so it's always interesting to have this conversation or the event I mean I just got to hear Julie Bishop talk and just to hear the story about you know someone growing up you know off a of creek and in basket range to become someone that's done this stuff. you know I mean it's just these are all amazing things and no shortage of these stories so I find inspirational is to keep unearthing the stuff that because everyone here doesn't I don't know there's a lot of stuff just hidden away and you don't really you have to turn over a few logs and stones to find these gems here so that's inspirational to kind of find that and connect people I think
0: yeah that's great and side question I'm going to follow up on what you said how are you approaching your kids relationship with the internet and technology well I mean
1: they're still they're young enough that they're you know beyond just watching things and consuming it there's nothing there so that's a whole other thing I'll have to deal with yeah. in the next you know five or whatever years with regards to when do they get you know their own device and when yeah. they do that stuff so thankfully you know who knows where we'll be at that point it's just nothing more than trying to do a good job of, of limiting uh, access to it and, and having some level of curation over what what is entering them it's tough you know you run through this whole thing like oh you know no screen time it's terrible and it's like but I think you know I think a for myself is like whatever like I was on a computer all the time when I was a kid you Mm -hmm. know what I mean and we grew up as a generation where like television was new and in color and and, in in living rooms and we watched a lot so I try not to be too to beat myself up too much about that I think you can only do your your best job to make sure that at the very least you're countering it with we're going for hikes we're going in nature we're doing all these things and exposing them to real life because there's certainly it's certainly not that we don't. We're not like, hey, here's that thing. Just stop crying and leave me alone. Like that's 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 avoiding an issue, right? Yeah. But yeah, that's a whole. I mean, we're living through a time that's just so unique, and yeah. and I don't think like anyone and no one has any clue whether it's good or bad yet. It may yeah. turn out that actually all this stuff, in some way, is good.
0: Mm. All I the think studies it, have really short time frames of it that they come out with at the moment so I try and avoid all those sensationalist headlines
1: (laughs) I mean everyone our age is getting messed up that's for sure I mean (laughs) uh, mean, there's no doubt about that I I do have concerns I have have, have more concerns over people that you know that that have been going through it all potentially because some people just yeah they're not living in reality but that's probably another podcast that conversation I think
0: (laughs) absolutely and are you learning anything new at the moment
1: yourself I think I'm learning how to apply skills that I have in a unique way here. I mean, I'm, I'm learning the culture. I'm, I'm learning how to be effective and helpful in, in a community that I'm, uh, I'm new to because I get how people are here to a certain extent. And, you know, maybe what uh, things people say to my face, they don't say to other people. And as an outsider, it's an, it's an interesting respect, perspective because I'm in a role where I, I've got this, I'm stewarding this kind of massive thing as an outsider. And, you know, I'm very cognizant of that. And I'm trying to be as thoughtful and collaborative and whatever to the intentions of what I think everyone are and being inclusive to that. So it's it's really learning interesting human navigations in a new culture. I mean, I moved around a lot, you know, through Europe and, and through New York and here. So it's always been a bit of that. Truly just learning just to constantly try to be a better human, right? I mean, through through kids, through being here, through everything. I mean, I think that's... I've always been a person that's been very intrigued with, with self-development and... You know, understanding our environment and, 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 and trying to improve in many ways. So I would say that's a lifelong journey. I, I've, I've never stopped. Like I'm always, it's something I don't know or something's new, I'm very keen to try to Understand it. I mean, technology that I have no understanding of in terms of being able to, to produce or create or do stuff with it. Like, I mean, I spend a lot of time with people in the space industry now. I'm learning so many things about stuff. I like. I never th- like. Literally, I've branded satellites since I've been here that are going to be flying around this world. And like, they're. I've named them, and they're like that's crazy to me. Like, I never would have thought that happened. So, learning learning these things is fascinating because uh, it's 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 the collection of this information and figuring out how they connect together is when the results happen. So it's just uh, it's not just and yeah just sort of sponging up Australia I guess that's I'm learning Australia
0: (laughs) (laughs) and our motto our scout motto is be prepared to do your best online so if there was one thing that you would recommend people do to be prepared to do their best online what would it be
1: be authentic think about what the hell you're saying don't be fake uh, don't try to be what you think a customer wants. Because if if you're not that, anyways, it's not your customer, and they never will be. And that that thing that's a life lesson for just reality and living too yeah. is you know I think that's just the most important thing. I think it's as simple as that. Just just do you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome.
0: Thank you for listening to the Dobcast. I hope you feel inspired and prepared to do your best online. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend or all your friends on social? You can tag us. We're at Scout Social on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.